Okay, welcome back. Um, so, first question. My friend's daughter is binary and wants to be called them and they for her pronouns. And when her mother talks about her, she uses these pronouns that the daughter wants, them and they, etc. I'm uncomfortable using these terms. Should I suck it up and call her what she wants? My first question is, is your friend a single mother? And where's the dad in this issue? Where's the father? Because no self-respecting father is going to tolerate this. Okay? Next, I would consider that this girl and her mother are deep in self-deception. And what is it that dispels lies? Deception. What dispels that? An application of the truth. A loving application of truth. Truth has to be applied in love, and then we leave people free to either accept or reject that truth, and to apply it or reject it. If your friend and daughter take issue with your choice of pronouns, simply remind them that I would remind them that I'm not going to voluntarily participate in your self-deception. Okay? And if one... If you want me to volunteer, if you want me to deceive, to, to participate in your deception, that's going to damage my character. In addition to reinforcing your self-deception. You have to say this in love. One of the, what's the most fundamental lies that we can tell ourselves? A man can be a woman and a woman can be a man. Okay. This strikes at the very heart of design. Okay. God created man from the dirt. He created woman from man. Okay? Whatever wave feminism we're on wants to divorce that. Princeton, New Jersey, excuse me, Princeton University in Princeton, New Jersey, has just spent, I think, a couple years and who knows how many millions of dollars removing any gender-specific wording from their student manual. And that includes words like freshman, because it has the word men in it. And that can be triggering. Okay? This is the king of the South. This is godlessness. This is foolishness. And when you, when you, when you try to divorce yourself from the design that God created man with certain abilities and capabilities, and he created woman with different abilities and capabilities, so that the two should come together and create a synergy that's greater than the sum of the parts. When you, when you elevate the idea that we evolved from gases and amphibians and lower primates, then you can you can arrive at this idiocy that well gender is just a social construct. It's all about we're just cultured to believe that we're male and female. There's no there are no biologic differences between the two. Come on, please. So my suggestion would be to apply the truth in love and leave them free, but do not participate in their self deception. Any other thoughts? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think the, the question uh, she's asking was um, 
how should she react? Yes. I think you answered it well. Don't don't sacrifice. Yeah. Don't don't, don't participate in the self deception. Next question. Sometimes when I'm explaining design law versus imposed law to people, some people ask me if I have scripture that directly says God's laws are design laws. I really don't have a scripture for that that directly says it. So they say I'm a false teacher. What would your answer be? Okay. Uh, so people that ask uh, for specific proof texts are usually skeptics that just want an argument. That's my That's been my experience. And Scripture does have some specific uh, instructions on how to deal with these people. What does Scripture tell us to do with those who just want to be skeptics and argue? Have nothing to do with them. Okay, so from Ephesians 5, 6 through 8, do not let anyone fool you by telling you that these things are not true, because these things will bring God's anger on those who do not obey him. So have nothing to do with them. In the past, you were full of darkness, but now you are full of light in the Lord. So live like children who belong to the light. See also Second Second Timothy three one. Mark this: there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedience to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self control, brutish, not lovers of good, treacherous. Does this sound like? The, the Fox News or CNN News, okay, this this is a perfect description of, of humanity today. They'll be rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. Then, what? What are we to do with them? Have nothing to do with these people. Okay, so specific tests, uh, specific tests delineating the difference between design law and... and um, Impose law. I don't know of any. There may be some. Uh, my my knowledge of scripture is limited, certainly compared to Tim's, and, and probably compares to some of you as well. However, if you take scripture as a whole and then you harmonize it with science and harmonize it with experience, like we spoke about during the lesson, then we can see quite clearly that God's law is design law. And even though He did use imposed law. He imposed, make no mistake, Ten Commandments were an imposed law as, as well as the Mosaic uh, expansion of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were a beautiful distillation of a transcript of God's character, but God's character is infinite. You can't confine infinite on tablets of rock. Can't be done. Ten Commandments were given to a people at a certain time for a certain reason. But that doesn't mean that what's... In the Ten Commandments, it doesn't devalue them. They're a distillation of design law. Thou shalt not murder. Well, oh shoot, it's on, it's written in rock. I better not do it. Okay, do we really need the command to tell us not to murder? Or is there something that gets damaged in us if we murder? That's the design law. The moral law is evidence of design law. As are the laws of nature and the laws of health and the laws of physics. Millions of people through the years have gotten used to we want just one little text to tell us exactly. Yes, we want a cookbook approach. We want a cookie cutter. Study things out. That's right. And and it's thank you. And it's in it's in delving deeply into the scripture and and other inspired uh, writings 
Uh, and it's in the exercise, which is design law, the law of exertion, where we exercise our brain and our intellect, and we wrestle with these problems, and we compare one text to another, we compare one story to another, we compare the Old Testament with the New Testament, and we see the the threads running throughout all of Scripture, the, the, and, we, and we understand it through a great controversy perspective. This is how we, this is how we, we strengthen our minds and we strengthen our intellect and we strengthen our spiritual, uh, endeavor and our powers of discernment. And we're better able to, to function in God's reality. I, mean, I think the description of creation quite directly speaks to design law. Sure. And if you look at every parable Christ told, it's all pointing to reality, um, nature, things like that. So, I mean, I think there are are ways to glean it. And I would also recommend that the guy give this person a copy of the remedy, that he would have some scripture about design law. Uh, okay, excellent point. Uh, so, yeah, whoever wrote that question, uh, find a copy of the remedy. Uh, there are plenty to be had. Uh, we, we've got them on the website. Also, lead them to the seven levels of morality and see where they're arguing, which level they're at that they're arguing with. Okay, uh, another good point. We need to understand... Most people who cling to the uh, imposed law construct are functioning at level four or below uh, a level four level of moral development. So learn your levels of moral development and understand the the audience that you're dealing with. Thank you. It's a good point. Next question. There's a lot of fear, a lot of fear around the end times, i.e., the King of the North, etc. How do you see First Thessalonians five three fit with your description of the King of the North? Could it be that many are, quote, waking up as a result of current events and are looking for some kind of a savior, be it as reptilians or demons appearing, as people who raise the dead, intergalactic aliens, et cetera, et cetera, that may bring about, quote, peace and safety, which will, in fact, be a great counterfeit delusion? Well, I think that a great counterfeit delusion is exactly what's coming. Um, some savior figure offering peace and safety in times of chaos like we've never seen. It's already ha- it's happened numerous times throughout Earth's history. So, uh, Stalin offered peace and safety to the Russians. How'd that work out? Hitler offered peace and safety from and the expulsion of the Jews from the Weimar Republic. And, and if you want a great history and if you want a great parallel between what's going on now and what went on 100 years ago, Look at the history of the Weimar Republic, which was basically Germany in between World War One and in the in the the decade of the eight, uh, 1920s. Same cultural swill uh, is, was prevalent then as is prevalent now. The elevation of homosexuality, the elevation of transgenderism, yeah, it's not a new thing, folks. It's been around for a while. Um. The elevation of pornography, the elevation of prostitution, all of these things were present in the Weimar Republic 100 years ago. Weimar, spelled W-E-I-M-E-R. In German, the W is pronounced with a V. So basically, every politician that's ever lived is promising peace and safety. Okay, and when you when you live, when you long to live in Satan's domain, which is what? Earthly kingdoms. In peace and safety, you will be disappointed. There is no peace and safety in earthly kingdoms. It, it doesn't exist. It can't exist. There's only, only peace and safety 
is looking ahead to God's kingdom. My kingdom is not of this earth. That's where peace and safety reigns. It doesn't, it doesn't exist in earthly kingdoms. Next question. Peace and blessings. From my understanding of the Bible, tithing of the Old Testament was to support the Levites because they were the only tribe that didn't get any of the inheritance. They had a specific duty to perform sanctuary service, killing of the lambs. Okay, well, that's not correct. We, we talked about the, the uh, sinner killed the lamb. Okay, so we've already got an issue with the questioner's understanding of Scripture. In 1 Kings 12, Jeroboam made a priest of anyone in Israel in the sight of God. It was evil. Aren't we committing the same act now if we say that we are returning the tithes to the Levites when that system was done away with? From my understanding of the New Testament, it was no longer tithing, but pledges of free will offerings to advance the gospel. So, Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image. The ability for us to give to the betterment of others is part of what it means to be created in God's image. It's a big part of what it means to be created in God's image. God is constantly giving of himself for the betterment of his created beings and his universe, constantly giving of his energy. And for us to give of our time, our money, our effort, our attention, our love to others is godly. It's what it means to be. Is one of the things it means to be created in God's image. It's the design law of giving. In the Old Testament, God decided that the tithes collected should be used for the Levites in the sanctuary theater. What was the purpose of the Levites? Who did the Levites represent? They represented the converted. They represented the the the, the followers of, of God, the repository of his law and his love. For what purpose? What was the Levites' job? It was it was still that their, that was still their job back then. Yes, they were to do the the daily sanctuary ministrations for the. But okay, so what are the rest of the tribes? What do they represent? The rest of the world. The rest of the tribes in, in the in the in the children of Israel, the sanctuary service, the Levites represented the the converted. The rest of the tribes represent the unconverted. Okay? And the Levites were, were enacting this theater, the sanctuary service, for the education and the benefit of the, the other tribes. Okay? This is still the gospel message. It's, it's the eternal gospel being taken to the world. This, this is what, this is the symbology of it. So the tithes in the Old Testament, or for the spreading of the eternal gospel. The tithes in the New Testament are for what? The spreading of the eternal gospel. What about today? The tithes are to be for the spreading of the eternal gospel. In Scripture, tithe is quite clear. It's a 10% of your increase. That is tithe. Anything more, anything above and beyond that is a free will offering. Tithe is the first 10% of your increase. 
if you want to give a thankful offering, if you want to give a sin offering, if you want to give an offering for orphans in Cambodia, that's a free will offering. And Scripture is quite clear that this should not be done out of a sense of obligation. We are to give with a cheerful heart. We are to give freely under no coercion and compunction. Because if you give, if you give with a heart mindset that, well, I have to, I have to check this box, you're damaging your character. Now the money can still be used for the spreading of the gospel, but it's not doing you any good. It's not benefiting your character to give from a begrudging heart or out of a sense of duty. Yes. I believe that Levites also gave tithes on what they received. To whom? I don't know. Maybe to the temple service. I, I don't I don't know that. I, you may be right. I, I don't know. I'm just wondering who they would give it to. The point the point of the tithe the point of the tithing is to you got you, all the money's God's anyway. He doesn't he's not short of cash. He doesn't need our money. He gives he gives us resources to be stewards of and the the giving is for our benefit. All right, so here here's a good one. Check the time. Once again, Roe versus Wade has become center stage in the news and, and the quote, the Christian fight for life. I'm very libertarian in my political views. And I believe in the protection of life and liberties, liberty lays at the center of our constitutional values. However, I also find that this issue carries a central theme of imposed law with it. So what do you find is the best way to represent your view in this issue? The best way I find to represent my view in this issue is to keep it mine. <laughs> I'm not trying to be glib, but this this is an issue. This is a no win issue. Period. I can tell you that factions on both sides of this argument, both of their arguments are founded on lies. The argument of the political left and the political right, they're founded on lies. The Supreme Court is leaning toward making this a state's rights issue, which is where it belonged in the first place. It should have never been a federal issue. And the whole the whole foundation of the the argument of Roe versus Wade back in 1970-71 was founded on a lie. The woman who is representative of Roe, Jane Roe, that, that's a pseudonym. The woman who brought this, who who got this case for the Supreme Court, alleged that she was raped, and later recanted that she she was never raped. She needed an abortion because she was raped. It was a lie. She wasn't raped. The court should have never even taken the case in the first place. Okay, and for those for those of us who can see, if the Supreme Court does reverse reverse this as a federal issue, and they they refer it back to just being a state's rights issue, this is the this is more of the King of the North girding for battle, sharpening a sword. Because the King of the North is representative of religious imperialism. King of the South, representative of godlessness. Okay? King of the North is is going to is going to basically destroy the King of the South through the 
in my opinion, through the legal process. They're going to just establish one law after another and, and ruthlessly enforce it to the point where that's how the King of the North will win. Uh, I've included reference of the New York Times uh, showing that she later recanted. Uh, so the both both sides of this argument they they immediately devolve into emotion. They, they're, it's an emotional argument on both sides, and I can tell you that God does value liberty. And why does God value liberty? It's the only way love exists. True love does not exist without liberty. Okay, and liberty doesn't mean when God grants liberty, He doesn't grant us liberty from the consequences of our choices. God gives us the liberty to make certain choices, but He does not. He does not always suspend the consequences of those choices. And I cannot function for someone as someone else's conscience for them, and I don't want to try. I doubt that answered your question. My apologies. So, next question: Once probation closes, those sealed will be cared for. Quote, cared for. However, up until then, there's a lot of talk about prepping, particularly with talk of food shortages in the world today. What are your thoughts on this? For those of you who don't know, uh, how many of you have been watching all the uh, food manufacturing and food distribution uh, warehouses that have caught fire in the last a month? You guys aware of this? A, a Walmart distribution center caught fire last night in uh, Indiana. Colossal, colossal warehouse. Giant plume of smoke coming up from it. Plane, uh, private planes are crashing into, into other uh, warehouses and, and food manufacturing distribution centers. Okay, so this is this is a thing. This is actually happening. How are we as Christians supposed to respond to this? What happened to Elijah? How was Elijah fed during the famine? He had birds bringing him food. And a little creek to, for, for his thirst. And when the creek ran out, the Lord directed him to a widow's house. And her oil and flour never ran out until the famine was over. Okay, God's looking out for his people, his chosen. Now, that doesn't mean we're, we're to be stupid and just, yeah, well, I don't need to work. God will provide my meals. <sighs> no, we're to be wise as serpents and gentle as lambs. My opinion, wise as serpents, okay, I, I don't think that the snake is the smartest animal on the planet. So what does it mean to be wise as a serpent? Is God trying to tell us something else in, in this in this text? Okay, I, I mean, am I wrong? Are snakes are snakes that smart? A dolphin is quite a bit smarter than a snake. My dogs are smarter than snakes. What does it mean to be wise as a serpent? Might it mean that we're to be wise to the serpent's capital serpent s his ways and methods? Would you be wise to those methods and see them when they're being employed? Okay, well, that's my point. Is, is are are snakes, literal snakes, serpents, are they that are they that wise? The one in the garden was. <laughs> really? Yeah. Was you just just Satan a, a snake? Yeah. It was. Okay. Well, okay. Well, that's that's my argument. That's serpent with a capital S. 
You know, I think the text is telling us to be wise to Satan's methods and principles. That doesn't mean it's smart as Satan so you can behave like Satan. That just means you recognize the serpent's movings when, when you see it. You recognize his methods. You recognize his tactics. You recognize his way of doing things. And you, and you choose to, uh, you choose not to do them. Choose to avoid it. Okay. We should be absolutely prepared for supply chain and, and food disruptions and shortages, water pollution. Uh, and we can expect those who are being sealed into Satan's kingdoms to use his methods to try to come, come take what's ours. And I, I, again, I cannot and will not function in someone else's conscience to tell them how to deal with these eventualities. Some may be convinced that they need to arm themselves. Some may be convinced that they need to try to feed those who are coming to take their food. I don't know. I can't speak. I can't speak uh, for how the Holy Spirit is telling you to behave. Let's see. How do the next question? How do I interpret symbol? How do we interpret symbols specifically for Daniel and Revelation? Are they referenced in other parts of the Bible? E.g., the C equals uh, population. What symbol means nations? Is there any resource that has a list in their meanings? Thanks. Well, I'm pretty sure there's a wealth of information on this in, in Tim's blogs. Uh, so just use the search feature on the website. Um. Search beasts, revelation, Daniel, etc. And I'm sure you can come out with a wealth of knowledge. Now we do have a document that's coming out soon, uh, expanding the beasts of revelation. So look for that in the near future. It, it's not, it's not finished, quote printed yet, or, uh, ready for distribution yet. But I've read an advanced copy of it. It's fantastic. Uh, okay, so this question is largely a mental health issue uh, about uh, a husband who's diagnosed with complex PTSD. Please resubmit that question to Tim. Uh, he's way more equipped to answer that. Um, all right, so what's your take on the claim that Paul, on some that claim that Paul is false and contradicts Jesus' teachings and words? I struggle to understand because I can see from both sides, I can see where both sides are coming from. If points could be made for both, uh Paul being true and false. Uh, how, how do you know what to believe? Again, I would rest, I would reference my answer previously to dealing with skeptics. You can argue, you can argue for years with a skeptic and not get anywhere. I, I like the analogy. It's like wrestling a pig in the mud. Okay. Why don't you wrestle a pig in the mud? Okay. You good. That's one reason. There'll be no winner. You'll both get dirty. There'll be no winner, and the pig will enjoy it. Pigs love rolling around the mud. Okay, skeptics love to argue. Yes, sir. Second uh, Peter three. Um, I was literally reading that today in the morning. It says that uh, Peter tells the people he's writing the letter to that Paul's uh, views are at least distorted if they don't include the remedy of Jesus within them. He says if you leave that part out. Um, it's really sad that they're distorted. I think it's at the end of, of, of the chapter. Wow. Yeah, and in my readings of Paul's writings, I think Christ is at the center of of nearly all of them. I, I don't, I don't see how anyone could read Paul's writings and uh, find that it contradicts anything that Christ said. In fact, I think Paul himself says that it, it, that uh, you know Christ 
Christ must be lifted up. Christ has to be the center of, of everything. Reject even even reject my writings if uh, if uh, it's so. Yeah, I. What can I say? You're dealing with a skeptic. All right, last one. Friday evening in our Vesper meeting, the presenter said that the remnants ate a plant-based diet, and the remnants of today do the same. Did Jesus eat meat? Okay, so Jesus did eat fish. There are two specific texts that are quite clear that Jesus ate broiled fish. Okay, is fish meat? Yeah. Okay. He served fish on other occasions when he was feeding the 5,000 and, and the 7,000. Scripture doesn't say specifically that he ate of it then. He may have had teaching. He may have just been teaching and not eaten. I don't know. Scripture's silent on it. But I suspect that he ate, he ate what was provided for him. And I, I, I have serious doubts that uh, his parents provided a vegetarian diet every passover they probably had lamb lamb is meat john the baptist ate locusts and honey he was eating insects and you'd need honey to wash those down trust me i can't imagine crunching on a locust locust is a clean insect Uh, oh well that's different enjoy it Okay. Did can you see the can you see uh, Elijah telling the ravens, "Hey, go give me some soy-based chocolates here. I I don't want these I don't want these meat scraps." Come on. The idea that the remnant ate or will eat a plant-based diet is diagnostic. What's the diagnosis? The folks that are they're only focused on dietary issues are unacquainted with the teaching about righteousness. They're they're focused on they're on a level four behaviors uh compliance with law mindset. Okay, I suspect that during the time of trouble, we will we eat whatever we can to survive. Even even God forbid a bacon. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your Sabbath. We'll see you back here next week.